Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Hello, and welcome back for another episode. So happy October. We're back and we're in the final quarter of 2018, which is really startling again, because you think about how fast time flies by. And, you know, you set goals and parameters for yourself for a year. And here we are in the last quarter. So this is your last opportunity for 2018 to really achieve some of those goals you may have set up for yourself financially. If you had a goal of eliminating debt or reducing your debt, you still have three good months in order to do that. If you had some um, budgeting goals where you wanted to set yourself up on a budget and stick to it, you still have time to do that. Um, A new month, new quarter, new day gives you that opportunity to kind of really start over and do anything that you want or set your mind to. So with 2018 having three months left to go, this is a good time to just kind of push through all the way to the end so that you can achieve the goals that you set for yourself in the beginning of 2018. And remember, a goal is something different than a than a, a um, like a resolution because a goal has a plan attached to it. And so, you know, if you set, set up yourself some goals for 2018, don't be discouraged if you haven't met them yet. There's still time, you can still move forward, and you can still achieve on some levels the goals you set for 2018. So don't give up yet. 2018 um, is not done, and you still have the opportunity to really push forward and work towards those goals you have um, for your financial freedom. So today I want to talk about living expenses. I want to talk about what it costs to live and what we are willing to pay and what we pay for. You know, I'm not sure how anybody else feels about this, but I feel very strongly about gentrification. I'm very strongly against gentrification because what happens to those people who are in the neighborhoods already is the shame of it. Um, you know, there are there's not enough housing anywhere for, for any particular place like New York City. There isn't enough housing for everyone. And that's why we have a homeless population, people living in shelters, et cetera. But what the real issue is that it's not enough affordable housing. And if you think back to a time prior when um, the crime was really rampant in a place like New York City and like any of these cities, everyone who had two cents to rub together fled the cities. They fled the cities because they wanted to um, be safe and the crime was too much and they fled to the suburbs. And so the suburbs were costly, but there were ways in which they could work in the city and, and head back to the suburbs and have the suburban life. And they left the cities to the crime and to those who couldn't ha- afford the opportunity to go out um, I- into the suburbs. And the city was always convenient, right? There was always, that's where the subways are. That's where all the best, um, easiest commuting is. That's where the jobs are, right? So it was always a convenient space. But when people didn't want to be there because of the crime and because of the population and the, and the demographics of the people who were there, they fled and they left. And so now that crime is down, now that crime has been... Um, dealt with and the cities are quote unquote safer everybody wants to be back in the cities because they want the convenience right they don't want to spend two hours commuting and so they want to be right there and so what that's allowed for everyone to do at all of the um, cities in, in conjunction with economic development has allowed them to cause rent prices to go up because these people who are want to come back to the city can afford higher rent and then there's no affordable um, housing for those people 
who are already lived and who stayed through and who live in the communities that are being gentrified. So that's where um, I feel that gentrification is harmful to the people who um, are living in the communities because along with the housing and the expensive housing comes the increase to the property value or the cost of property for business owners and puts small business owners out of business and brings in large um, kind of corporate entities and usually those aren't the ones that are necessary in the neighborhood. So it doesn't bring a bunch of drugstores and things that are maybe necessary. It brings a lot of um, higher end stores. You get the Whole Foods and the Starbucks and all those things for which the people who who genuinely live there can't afford. So it's, it's really building a neighborhood and pushing out those who can't afford and making it a neighborhood for people who have more money and therefore there's no affordable housing. So the only place for you to go now would be really, really far away from the city, which is inconvenient for your work and all these things. So it's a real, it's a real systemic problem. You're seeing it happen all over New York city and every major city I've been to Philly, Baltimore, you know, DC, DC doesn't even look like the same place. If you went to DC now, you would never know that that is DC and the suburbs around DC are extremely expensive to live in. So if you're a person who has, doesn't earn enough and you need to move out of the very expensive now gentrified Washington, DC, you have to go an hour or more out into Maryland or Virginia. And that's very inconvenient if you don't have a car or, or if you need to commute to work still in DC. So it's a very problem. It's a big problem all across the country um, and in major cities all across the country. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that has so many negative effects on people that, you know, people financially that causes such a, a, a hardship. It's really a shame and it's hard to stop it because the politicians are really the ones driving it. So it's really a challenge. So then what we end up with is very expensive housing, right? And it gets to a point where you, if you live in New York City, you recognize that a one-bedroom apartment in any part of New York City at this point, including all five boroughs, there's really not a one, you cannot get a one-bedroom apartment in the city um, for less than, let's say, I would say less than 1500 but I'm sure there's some places maybe you could still get a one-bedroom for 1200 But those those may be in the, in the, in the truer, much more... Um, that might be like in a really neighborhood that you may not want to live in unless you're from there. But even in that instance, most people cannot find um, a one bedroom for less than $1,500. So what you get to is now this luxury housing that people are finding themselves living in. Um, Now they're building buildings in in neighborhoods, again, in the South Bronx, they're building neighbor, these, these luxury buildings and people are paying 21, 22, $2,300 for a one bedroom apartment. And what happens is that I think people, you know, there's an underestimation that comes with cost of living, right? When you have to live. And and this is a podcast not for those people who are struggling. This is a podcast for those people who are earning um, six figures. These are people who are high earners, middle class, um, upper middle class earners who find themselves in what I consider to be the rental or the mortgage trap. It's the living expense trap. Because what happens is when you are a high earner, and particularly if prior to your new venture, you were paying a low amount of living expenses. Let's say you lived at home or let's say you just lived in a cheaper apartment because you are your high earner. Now you think, oh, I can afford because a lot of times you can be approved. You can be approved for an apartment that's two and three thousand dollars a month. If you earn one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can be approved for that. But what happens with that is that the spaces one, the space that you're getting for that amount of rent is small. Let's start there. Two, the amount of money you have to come up with to move into these apartments, meaning first month, last month security, basically three months rent if you have to go through a um, mortgage, um, 
uh, broker, you're paying close to $10,000 to move into this place. So you've depleted what's probably all of your savings to move into this place. And then at that point, you're paying a new higher rent. Now, when you were paying less in, in your living expenses, a lot of times you had a lot of disposable income. And so you did a lot of traveling or you did other things. You bought things. You did all these other things. You lived up to your budget. You lived up to the money you earned. And now at this point, you've depleted your savings to move into an apartment um, that is very expensive, but you think you can afford it. And what happens over the course of the first year, it may seem okay and it may seem like it's doable, but it becomes tight. And what happens here. It's very challenging to get out of that situation. So if you realize after a year or two that this is an untenable situation, paying this much in rent, it's really hard to get out of it for two reasons. One, you've become addicted to the lifestyle that comes with living in those type of luxury buildings. But also, if you've depleted your savings and you haven't had any space or room to continue to save, you don't have enough money to get first, le- first month, last month security to move out particularly if you're moving to another place that's in the two or, you know, in the high two thousands or $2,000 a month to that end, you know, you have to consider when you, you have to consider your living expenses to not be forced or pushed by what you can technically afford. Sometimes something can cost too much money, even though on paper you can afford it because you have to consider all of the other things that go with living that way. Quite often when you live in a building like that, you're surrounded by supermarkets where the food the food is more expensive than normal. You're surrounded by all those things like you know the the drugstores, everything is more expensive. So every every dollar you spend will be more and you will get less for it. And that becomes something that can impact your finances in ways you don't expect. Um, maybe you, you don't live close to any supermarket, so you eat out a lot. Like a lot of implications, a lot of things can come from that um, high, high-end living. The other part to this is, has to do with a mortgage. You know, I really took a good, a good look at my mortgage the other day, and I was well aware of this, but I took a good look at it in anticipation of this podcast, and also because it's the first of the month. Um, and I looked at what happens when I make a mortgage payment, because again, the, 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 the flip side to renting to people is always owning a home. But owning a home has its own down, you know, downsides, particularly when you think about when you make your mortgage payment every month. I looked at my mortgage payment and I saw that of the the amount of money that I'm paying for the mortgage, okay, let's say a total, let's say the mortgage is a total of $2,000. You know, of the $2,000, only 500 of that is going to <clears throat> let's say no, I'm sorry maybe about 700 of that is going to the principal and then another 600 is going to the interest and then rest is going towards the escrow so more money that I'm paying every month is going towards interest than it is going towards the principal and so what you have and I, and I have a good mortgage rate I have what's competitive I have a three probably a 3.2 or 3.3 more um, interest rate so it's not even because I have a super high crazy interest rate it's just because the way mortgages are set up you're paying way more in the interest and you're paying the interest up front because they want their money back <laughs> so what you have to do and consider is that you should pay additional money on your principal early on in paying your mortgage and that requires that you pay more money per month. So I pay about $300 more per month on my mortgage than what's due. And I put that towards the principal every month. I do that because I'm trying to get a handle on the mortgage um, in order to make it, make it so that I can pay it off sooner, faster, or with a better, um, you know, at a better rate. 
but that is something that you have to do. And I'm not getting any more house for that, right? I'm, if I'm paying more money per month, that's less money going into my savings, less money going someplace else. But I'm doing that in order for my long-term financial financial freedom. But I, this whole conversation about your living expenses is a really important conversation because we all have to pay it. No one is living anywhere for free, mostly as an adult. So the question becomes, how do you manage it? Do you pay rent? Do you own a home? You know, what do you do? The benefit of owning a home and having a mortgage is that it doesn't increase. You're going to have the same amount of money due every month if you're in a conventional um, mortgage. Same amount of money due every month. It will not increase like it does when you have um, when you have a rent that increases. It won't increase. And you will hopefully earn more money through your life or through the course of the time of the mortgage. So therefore, when your home, when your housing costs remain steady, you're able to allow the growth of your income to begin to help you to expand your life. So when you got the mortgage, maybe it was, you know, $1,500, but, and that was a stretch for you or that was a lot for you. But when you, 10 years later, the fact that it's still that much allows you to have a lot of space in your income so that you can do different things. So, it, that's a benefit. Rent will always increase and it will continue to increase and increase and increase and you will not be getting anything greater for it. There's no more that you're getting getting for it. So that's important. So just keep in mind that your living expenses are a really key factor in your financial freedom, that there isn't really a way in which you can live and deal without having your your finances be dictated by your living expenses. And the choices you make with your living expenses sometimes can be detrimental to your finances. And you have to get into the reason you're making those choices because, you know, is there no other place to live than the luxury building that's $2,600 for a one-bedroom that's not true. Absolutely. There's so many other ways in which you can live. And sometimes it, it requires that you live differently than your mind may anticipate. So maybe, you know, maybe you need to live a little bit further than from your job than you imagine. Maybe it's not as convenient. Maybe it's a little bit off the beaten path, but you financially, you are more secure in paying a thousand, paying a thousand dollars less, paying 1500, 1800 for, for um, rent than you would be to tie up your entire um, income and paying double that in rent just to be for the same amount of space or even less space sometimes, but paying for the convenience because convenience is very expensive. And I will not be here to tell you that sometimes you shouldn't pay com for convenience. Sometimes I pay to, you know, to pay for a parking lot instead of looking for a parking spot. Sometimes I pay to have someone clean my house and spend a whole weekend, you know, washing baseboards and cleaning, um, windows you know sometimes you pay for convenience but sometimes you are paying for a level of convenience that is detrimental to your financial freedom if I could not afford to have someone come clean my house I'm going to end up on my knees scrubbing that baseboard I mean that is just the way it is so you have to think about it in a way that is is, is has a positive impact on your finances and doesn't bring you down all for some things that may be things that are kind of in your head in your mind and in some sort of anticipation of a life you expected to live rather than the life you can afford because don't ever forget the model of financial emancipation. You don't deserve anything that you can't afford. And when you think about your living expenses, always remember that afford means it will do no other detriment to your finances you do be able to do this activity without having a detrimental impact to your other finances and if after you pay your rent and you pay for all of your light heat gas and all those things 
and you're left in a negative condition or barely with enough money to put into your savings, you are in a detrimental financial situation and it's being driven by your rent or by your living expense. There are times when you can be approved for a mortgage on a house, but you can't afford it. We've talked about this before. So keep that in mind and remember, always remember, anyone who's offering you a loan is doing it in their own self-interest. Anyone who's offering you an apartment, they're doing that in their own self-interest. So if they tell you you're approved does not mean that it's the best for your finances, you need to do a review on your own and see if this is something you can sustain long-term because the long-term impacts of extremely high living expenses can be really, really detrimental to your overall finances, particularly if the, t- the expense continues to increase like rent does and your income stays the same. Or in, in, a, in a worst case scenario, your income goes down in any way. So this was one of those conversations that wasn't for the people who are struggling to kind of make ends meet. It's more so for those of us who, um, those of you who are earning more, you're a higher earner, but you definitely are not making the the best financial decisions for your financial freedom. It happens because everyone thinks the more money I earn, the better I'll be with my money. And that isn't always the case. Case in point here, as we discussed you know, living expenses, paying more, and sometimes putting yourself in a financial bind because of something that you can technically afford, but you can't actually afford. So thank you for joining me today. Um, If you haven't already done so, head on over to Instagram and follow me at Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at FIN Emancipation. Follow me on Facebook at Financial Emancipation and join the Facebook group. We're having a good conversation there about couponing. I'd love to hear your feedback on that. I'm actually venturing into the couponing world just to see how it is. And I'd like to get your feedback on that. And if you have any questions, comments, feedback from me, please feel free to send me an email at um, Malik, M-A-L-I-E-K, at the Financial Emancipation Dot com. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you'll be back as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.